You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. So, um, let me pray for our time. We're finishing out our six-part series. This is reality, what is most important to us, uh, what is foundational to us. And my hopes are that this series has been, if you're new, it's been uh, helpful. If you've been around for years, then it's reminding us who we are. But um, let me just pray for our time in the Word of God, and uh, we'll get into it. God, we're just so thankful for the report of the way in which you've used us at this school. We're blown away by just you leading us here in the middle of COVID to a new space and the way in which you're using the church to really make incredible impact for your glory and for your kingdom. And God, we just pray that as we um, spend time in your word and worship and the fellowship, that you would be, uh, you'd speak to us, God. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our sixth and final topic of this series that we've been in is timely on this family Sunday because we're talking about community and relationships what this is that we value community and relationships and and following Jesus together as a family uh, this may be our last like our sixth of six uh, topic but it is so important to us and really do believe this is what uh, God has called us to be and um, if you've been around you hopefully have seen this God has so beautifully knit this church together and I believe that this church is a faith family, that we're meant to be a family. We're meant to be a community that is filled with rich and deep relationships with, that do life together all while pursuing Jesus as one church ohana. So I believe we're meant to be. The last few years we've seen this come to pass and I believe that God has a lot more in store. But not only does that sound good, like, that sounds good, right? That's like, that's, oh yeah, that's a great thing to live into. But the reason why we, we want to do this is that we see in Scripture, like this modeled or spoken about quite a bit, right? If you, if you just look at the inception of this, the church, for an example of the church being a community, uh, just go to the beginning. Uh, I mean, throughout the New Testament, you see this, but if we're going to go back, to like the inception of the Christian church uh, back in the book of Acts, right? The, Acts chapter two, we see that the church is formed. Jesus dies, he raises, he raises from the dead, he ascends to heaven and the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. Jesus is out of there and it's all just Christians like you and I left and like, oh, we're all on our own now. And they start this thing called the church in Jerusalem just about 2,000 years ago, almost exactly. And we get a description in Acts chapter 2 of how the Christian church, we say it's worldwide, but it was only in one city at that time pretty much, right? We get a description of how the church ordered themselves and how they acted and what was important to them and what they valued, right? So we're going to read a section of Acts 2, and remember, this is speaking about a group of men and women that are 
that are starting the church that are days old. The church is not 2,000 years old. There's no denominations. It's just like 120 people. I mean, there's, a few, there's some more now because Peter preached the sermon and actually a lot more got saved. The little church. This is the description of Acts chapter 2 of what the church was like and what we should live into. It says in verse 42, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Do you see how much together, withness, communal the church was? Like, do you see that? From the moment the worldwide Christian movement was birthed, like our faith, all of this is supposed to be lived out in community with one another in relationship. Like you may have heard the saying, I mean, I grew up hearing it, Christianity is not supposed to be like a Lone Ranger thing. It's kind of a funny, you know, Christianese phrase, but the whole idea is, is like being like an individualistic ideal in Christianity is like opposite of what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be communal, collective, what's best for the whole of us, who's in need, let's meet that need. It's very much together and with each other. And again, outside the Gospels and outside the Book of Acts, um, what we see in the New Testament, at least half of the New Testament was written by this guy named Paul, Apostle Paul. Out of the 27 books, 13 or 14 are traditionally attributed to him. And if you know anything about Paul, what's remarkable about his life is like how it started, how he met the Lord, and kind of how it ended. How it started was Paul the Apostle was a persecutor of this church. Did everything he could to stop this communal gathering of people. He was a persecutor. He would round up Christians. He would jail them, kill them, you name it. Persecutor of the church. This is Paul the Apostle. He has this miraculous encounter with Jesus. Acts chapter 9, road to Damascus. His life has changed. It's transformed. No longer is he a persecutor, but then he's now a leader. He's, he's a church planter. He actually goes around and he starts planting church after church and raising up leaders and training up pastors and he's all about the church. And the Lord uses him incredibly and he himself would go on to experience some of the most incredible grace, generosity, kindness, and hospitality from God's people. Despite his past. I mean, they were very weary with, from, uh, about him at first because they knew his reputation. Like, we want nothing to do with Paul. What are you talking about? 
But again, they got to know him and they saw that the Lord had saved him and they embraced him. Paul would firsthand experience Christ's love and acceptance through God's people probably more than any of us have ever felt. And so with that background, in these letters, in his writings, he has much to say when it comes to how Christians should treat one another while being in community together. He himself should not have been accepted into this community. He wanted to ruin it at one point. He, he, he made a valiant effort to destroy the church. But then he became a starter of many Christian communities and many churches. But I want to just read through about a dozen verses from not only his letters, but also other writers in the New Testament. And I want to make the point, I want you to see it, of how often the idea of one another or how we treat one another, how the church should act. And I want this repetition to sink in because it'll be repetitious. Allow Paul's words and other New Testament authors of how as Christians we ought to treat one another to sink in. John 13, 34. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. Words of Jesus. John 13, 35. By this everyone know, will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is Jesus. People will know that you follow me by your love for other people. Paul, in the book of Romans, Romans 12.10, he says to the church in Rome, very new, very fragile, right? Persecuted. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above, our, above yourselves. He'd go on in Romans chapter 12 to say, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Two chapters later, Romans 14, Paul continues and he says, Therefore, let us not stop, excuse me, let us stop passing judgment with or on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. And then, again, in Romans 15, Paul says, Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul, to the church in the city of Corinth, says, I appeal to you, I beg of you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and all of you, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. In his second letter to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul speaking, Finally, if I can leave you with this one thought, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. To his letter to the church in Galatia, Galatians chapter 5, 13. You, my brothers and sisters, Christians, 
We're called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. To the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 4.2, another group of Christians. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. He goes on to say in Ephesians 4, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. What does he do? He continues the theme to the church in Colossae, Colossians 3. He says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Peter, another one, in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 8, says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. And in 1 John 4, 7, John says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. There's more than a dozen examples that I just gave you. The Bible has a lot more. But I did this to show us the repetition that these New Testament authors in the formation of this thing called the Christian church was trying to get their point across. They were trying to hammer the idea of the importance of community, relationships, and our treatment of others. The key point, like the takeaway, I believe is this, that the way we treat others, the way we treat one another, especially those inside the church, our brothers and sisters, directly tells us of our love for God. Okay, now's we're, now, now I'll be honest, this gets a little sobering. So just hold on. So for instance, if we treat each other poorly, and unloving, and we're unwilling to do these things. If all those verses I read do not describe the way in which we interact, the sobering thought is, is you actually, we actually, have a us and Jesus problem. Because again, Jesus said, people will know you love and follow me if you love them. So if you don't love them, you've got an issue with me. That's where the sobering, like, buckle up going, oh, wow, okay, it's not just like a character trait. I've actually got, like, a me and Jesus thing going on. And I, and I do think that so much of, obviously, this horizontal relationships we have with one another is directly affected by how our vertical relationship with Jesus is. Right? If we have not allowed the love of God to fully permeate us and change us and transform us, and if we're not open to God changing us to be more like Him, then yes, our love for one another will, will be affected. We love, as First John would say, because He first loved us. And so when it comes to the church, why, why, this, why Christianity is supposed to look so countercultural is how the Bible describes the church, church should look like. This is what I mean. 
as we all know very well, so much of our world today is divided over different issues. Very quickly, really divided, really heated. And sadly though, the differences we have absolutely have divided us. And much of the world around us we live in, much of our nation, we will not be in relationship with someone that's different and votes different and you name it. But here's something enormously different that is supposed to mark the church. Whether we live into it, that is the question. But at least what we are to strive to is that the church... See, we're supposed to be united around Jesus, but like full of diversity. Like diversity in every way. How we look, our political stance, I mean, go down the line. Those things are not supposed to be the things that unify us. Jesus and what he did is the things that unify us. I heard some claps from some kids. I like that. Yeah, they're getting it. Because once again, our love of God and love for one another is meant to supersede whether we agree with each other or not. And uh, heads up, we all disagree with each other on something. This is what you need to know. Uniformity in the church is not the goal. I do think we've gotten that wrong over 2,000 millennia. We've got to look, everything's got to be exactly the same. That's us. I don't think so. This is what I think. I think loving each other in close community despite our differences because of the love of Christ is the goal. They were actually really different, but because of Jesus, that's better and that's bigger. That's, that's the goal. It's not uniformity. It's loving people and loving those around us despite our differences. So what our heart as a church is, is that we would be more than just a Sunday service. We'd be more than just you do events together. But our hope is that our faith would be, love, uh, would be lived out with other believers in relationship with one another that despite our differences that we would be committed to one another that we would work through conflict i know nobody wants to do it but did you see the 14 verses i read there is nothing about if you disagree with someone you should depart the fellowship from them it says the opposite it says, forgive them as the Lord forgets you. Accept them as Christ accepted you. Right now it's getting real. But we as a church, despite our differences, we want to be committed to reconcile relationships with one another. And our heart as Reality Honolulu is that we would be a church family not only when it feels good for us. That's a big one these days. Our heart as Reality Honolulu is that we would give ourselves to serving one another, bearing each other's burdens, preferring one another above ourselves. That we would be a church family not only when it feels good for us. For those of us that call uh, this church home, my hopes are that you would feel that you are a valuable, valuable part of this. 
that each of us are meaningful and have purpose and are part of this, an integral part of this. And that God desires to use all of us to serve each other and to receive from one another. And that, that's also hard. I know a lot of you, you guys are great at serving each other and you're the last ones to ask for help or to receive someone. God wants you to receive from other people in this church. God wants to use you to serve other people too. There's not one of us in here. There's not one kid in here that doesn't have an integral part to play in this church. Here's why I know that. It's because once again, Paul, to this young church in the city of Corinth, he put it this way, 1 Corinthians 12, 20, uh, 12 through 27, excuse me. He says it this way, Paul, speaking to Christians, speaking to us. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ, the church. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves and some are free, but all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make any, uh, it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a, a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? He goes on to say, but our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect these parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members and so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Verse 27. All of you together, together, are Christ's body, for each of you is a part of it. Just as God would tell Adam, it wasn't good for him to be alone, the same is true for all of us. It is not good for us to be outside Christian community. That's why the author of Hebrews, and I'll end here, says this. Says this. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, Let's hold firm to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he, God, who, has, uh, who promised is faithful. Let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together as the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this reminder 
of what you desire this church family to be. And God, as we enter in just to a few more worship songs before we go and have fun and eat and fellowship, we just ask that we would pause and that we would experience you. We would worship you for who you are and what you've done. God, I pray specifically for those of us in here that don't feel like we're a part of this. God, I pray that you would speak to them right now, that, that you have an integral part you want them to play, and they are very much a part of this. God, thank you for this local expression, this church ohana that you have created, that you continue to build. And we do ask, God, that you would continue to make us a family that prefers one another, that loves one another, that forgives one another. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.